In this episode, we wait out there with Ash Agler from Baldwin, Michigan. Ash grew up playing and fly fishing in the Michigan forest as a child and heading to the river on weekends during college. After school, she worked in the IT field for several years until a persistent dream convinced her to move back to northern Michigan and start a new life as a fly fishing guide and artist. We discuss the Pierre Marquette River, mousing, and fishing streamers. Welcome to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Shemchuk. At Wade Out There, we believe fly fishing is special, but not elite, and that anyone can become a great fly fisher if they are willing to go, learn, and teach. Join me as I talk with other fly fishermen and women about their unique journeys into fly fishing, the rivers they fish, and the tactics and philosophies they practice. For those who can never leave the river in their hearts, this podcast is dedicated to helping you make the memories that keep us all coming back to wait out there. Welcome, Ash. Thanks for being on the Wait Out There podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Jason. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. We have a lot in common, Ash. We talked a little bit before the show, a lot more in common than I originally thought. Yeah, we, we kind of dance in a lot of the same universe here. <laughs> You're an artist. I'm an artist. You have a podcast. I have a podcast. Uh, you <laughs> like to fly fish. I like to fly fish. That means we're friends. Yeah, that's good. So this will be fun, and I'm excited to talk to you about a lot of that stuff with your art and your podcast and some of the projects that you have coming up with other women in the fly fishing space as well. But uh, I got to say, I found out about you through a Fly Lords article. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish I didn't have to say that I found out. If, I mean, I don't know why, but but that's how I found out about you. And what really struck me is your story of how you change professions and how you kind of said, no, this, this job that I'm doing in the corporate world isn't making me happy. And I kind of know what I think would make me happy. And I'm going to make that change and, and do those things that I think will give me the kind of life that I'm looking forward to, to living. So I guess let's start there. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I would love to hear the insides yeah. of that story. I want to hear. I want everyone else to hear the <laughs> the dream story that you told me before the show. Yeah. So I, throughout school, I was actually working on an undergraduate. I was going to school for geological sciences, um, aqua study, uh, about uh, BA of science. I was in that kind of more earthly space and I was um, working um, throughout school with like the Michigan DNR, uh, Child Unlimited, teaching kids classes, trying to just anyway have a foot in the door with just experience being on the water. I grew up southern Michigan so we had a cabin on Long Lake, we had access to the Dwajak River so we just we were always on the water as kids and once it got to that point of you need to go be an adult and make money and have a job, have a skill, it turned into doing a lot of stuff that I was good at, which was like, I'm really good at book work. I'm really good at studying, good at organizing things. And uh, slowly that turned into IT. So what happened was I was interning with the DNR. I was making, I think, like, $10 and it was like something super little. It was a small amount. And that turned into someone saying, Hey, you should go work it. Like you, you're good at organizing. You're good at teaching people like go, go work in this space. So I did that and I found out I could be very successful at it, but it just, it always felt like I got to a point where I just hit a wall and there was like no way that I could help any more people. And once we got into the throes of doing COVID work, I onboarded almost 20,000 people in a matter of three years onto tech systems. So by the time 2020 rolled around, or 2021, I should say, I, I was just done. I couldn't, I couldn't sit through another meeting. I didn't want to be... <laughs> I didn't want to be on the phone anymore. 
How long were you doing that? And I guess onboarding, that's a metric of like how much you had been working, right? Like that's a, that's a lot of work in the IT space. I'm ignorant to that, but it sounds like that's what you're getting at. So, so yeah, it, in, in our, in that kind of a space, it's about, for instance, like how many companies you turn on to different products. So it was all about being able to get people online, get them online fast enough and like being proficient at it. And it's gratifying on like the one-to-one level. Like if you're sitting here, like you and I are having this conversation, like, yeah. Can you help me? I need help with it help. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) Oh yeah, I can help you. Those were like the great, those were the great moments. Cause you felt like you were doing something for someone. Like you could be like, here, I, I can do this. Well, you are, you are doing something for someone. Yeah. And in those situations where you were kind of lost in teaching hundreds of people, mm-hmm. you just felt like you weren't doing anything for anyone because there were so many questions. So that's kind of what led to me having the dream you were talking about. So I had this dream and I kept having it over and over about a essentially being on my favorite bend of the PM and no one was around. It was like almost sunset and I'm casting and I hook into a fish and I'm like, damn, this is like a really big hen. I get her in the net. I look down and it's a skeleton and a heart. And I was so excited and I didn't know if I should like pick it up or what I should do. And I like just gently cradled it and lifted it and turned it around to see if like someone was there. I'm like, I I kept having the stream over and over and there was like nobody there. Uh And I think that was like the catalyst that set everything off. Cause it was like weeks of this, like every few nights you'd wake up and you're like, what is this? What is this trying to tell me? So that, that was like the first moments of like deciding to come in, like purchase a house up here and just start to slowly pick off the corporate scab it had been growing on me for years and years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what do we make of this dream and what kind of heart are we talking about? Are we talking about like the kind of heart that I can draw or like, are you talking about a beating heart kind of like, like it was alive, like, like a heart alive, was alive. Beating heart. Okay. Yeah. But in, in, in this dream, when you see that you're feeling not scared though, you're feeling like joy. It sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was- but there's no one there to see it. So you translate that into, I need to quit my job, move to Northern Michigan and start guiding. Is that, am I, <laughs> am I getting that right? Somehow, yeah. I, I felt like it was like a skeleton of an idea. And as a person, like a lot of times you have to have a lot of heart for something. So I think maybe that is the connection there was like, there's a frame, which like in any IT project, they're always talking about, putting meat on the bones oh, so okay. it's always it's always like oh well we have the framework let's put meat on the bones so like that's when everyone starts doing all their like work on something to like get it moving forward yeah so i kind of wonder if that like i was so stressed out from work and like my heart was in this other place so i'm like maybe all of this is like connected like it's like trying to tell you to like go start a new project <laughs> Yeah, we used to call it the major muscle movements. We've got the major ma- in mission planning. We would say we've got the major muscle movement. Actually, I wouldn't say that, but some people would say it's that, really you know. interesting. <laughs> so, did anyone else know about this, or how was this received with like friends and family when you come to this realization that you think this is the the direction you want to go? I changed my life completely. Um, I kind of like imploded my life. Uh, I was in a relationship that just it wasn't going anywhere anymore and um ended that like my family was kind of like oh so you're getting divorced and you're moving to Michigan and you're going to do what and it's like yeah I'm I'm gonna go give this a shot and see if I can make it happen uh-huh. so I just <laughs> I know how long how long ago was that now that's been a couple was, years yeah it was it's going on over three years now but it was basically I, I decided that it was time 
instead of like living someone else's dream and someone else's truth in terms of, you know, being in all of these different spaces, like it draws you to urban spaces. Um, instead of like living that kind of a lifestyle, I just was like, I need to go live my truth. Like I grew up getting dirty, playing in the swamp. You know, I, I miss being a kid. Like the kid part of you is really cool. So I just decided to go find my kid. (laughs) Were you fly fishing growing up or what made that part of your decision um, possible or what gave you the idea that, yeah, I could do this. Cause if you don't have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you don't have a background, like something, there's gotta be fly fishing involved somewhere. Or did you, or did you just say, I'm going to go learn how to fly fish and be a guide or what, how did that work? No, I, my grandpa, when we were kids, they had a cabin up around here and I was like really curious as a kid. I was always super curious. Like what, if people were working on cars, I'd be like the kids standing there. What are you doing? What are you doing? So I feel like part of him was like, Hey, I need to get her out of my face for like an hour. So he found a fly rod, like an old bamboo rod. And just, it was like completely like, these were like rotted flies. Like the, the deer's hair was like, breaking apart as he was putting them on the hook but he just put like a little caddis on a hook and he cast it he like flung it out there two times he's like okay you can figure it out now and just like wandered off and that was like some of my first experiences and then in college I didn't I don't want to say like I didn't make the best choices but I partied probably way more than I should have so Uh, when I found fly fishing in college, it was like something that like kind of anchored me back into like being a kid again. It was like, you can go outside and you can play outside and you don't have to feel that partying and like being in these like big social situations, like you don't need to do that if you don't want to. Well, that's another example of doing something for other people, right? Like, I feel like I need to go to the party and date this girl or be drinking these things or get this job in IT and like all those things. And what you're saying is the more you're doing that, it sounds like the more you're doing that, the less, the more distance you put between the person that you're most comfortable being, which is that kid. Yeah. You like, you put, you put distance there and that, I feel like that just leads to like everything in your life being unhealthy. So you've been fly fishing growing up a little bit and then, uh, in school and then, and then now you're back up in Michigan and what was it like, you know, starting the guide service? What were some of the challenges in that arena? It was, I, I, I want to say just taking the time to like get comfortable enough with yourself on the water and there's part of it where I've, I've heard people say, like, you have to be invited in to be a guide. And then there's been this other group of people that are just so excited that women are even interested. And they're like, there's never going to be, like, a right time. Like, you should pursue what you want to do now versus waiting until later in life or waiting until, like, you get this sort of gatekeeping acceptance. Is that one of the reasons why you're excited about women's festival of fly fishing and that, that, that big plan that you've got going on? We were, I'm, I'm interested in kind of the motivations for that and, and how that's shaping up. Yeah. So my, my motivation is like, I think when I expressed interest in guiding some of the first like reactions I got were, were around me being a lady and my capabilities of, Oh, do you think you can do these things? Like almost like these like doubtful questions. Like what physical tasks or. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, Oh, you're going to have a boat and you're going to launch it. And what happens if you run into a log or what all of these like different questions that, is such a big pile. It was like such a big pile at first. I was like, I don't know where to pick. Like 
I was still going out and fishing every day and I'm, I'm learning the water and I'm figuring out different areas to go for different species. And then to get these questions, you're kind of like, am I, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Were there voices telling you that you were, I mean, what, what kind of mentors did you have to help in this time? Anybody? So, oh yeah. Who's on team Ash. Who's like, (laughs) yes, this is awesome. So I've, I've got, a pile of mentors in the area, just the group. It's, it's been the most unexpected sort of group of mentors. Cause a lot of times you think like, Oh, maybe they'll find people like closer to your age or people that are, you know, like maybe like you have more in common with, but honestly, a lot of my mentors have been a lot of the old timers. So a lot of people that are like retiring from the water and they want to see, they're like, this is cool. Like I have a daughter, like my daughter yeah. could go with you. And there's that group. And then there's a lot of dads. So I love like these groups of, of dads that have daughters and they're excited because they want, they want the same thing for their daughter or like even more of a, um, they want more of a mentor. And the cool thing is they're like, Hey, you're not out there fishing in bikinis. You're not showing skin. You're actually fishing and you are trying to teach others. And they're like, that's a good role model. And that's, those are like the people who've been like the biggest drivers for me to just say like, you know what, this is more about helping younger kids and helping bring in a generation of, of anglers that feel empowered versus coming in with like this giant mountain of doubt. Yeah. We'll talk more about the women's festival of fly fishing and that event that's coming up. We could talk more about it now if you want, if you want to talk you know, about that. I think, I think what I really just want to see is, is it's someone that's like, and ins- inspiring or aspiring to have kids and like you see other moms like you you want to see women in general just have the courage and the skills especially the safety skills to walk out into the essentially national forest and say hey I can do this on my own like I don't need to wait for someone else to give me the okay like I have the tools so what is this event what what is the (laughs) logistics of it what will happen what will happen at this so the festival weekend what our goal is is to bring in 15 instructors so 15 women instructors that are interested in teaching something that they're very like uniquely skilled in or talented in with fly fishing to the group and then we're trying to get 25 students so get our goal is to be able to provide all of the students with scholarships. But if we can't, you know, uh, we do have, we will have some tickets available for a hundred dollars, but what it is is we want to be able to bring in students that are, you know, ladies and kids. Um, so older kids, so about 10 years and up if they're um, learning how to fly fish and, and give like just a really encouraging environment. So being able to make friendships, make connections, because as you know, like some of your best friendships are probably people you've met out fishing. Yeah. I've met a lot of folks since I've started Wade out there. Uh, and a lot of friends when I started fly fishing that I still have close relationships with because of fishing. Yeah. And yeah, way back, like it's not even so much fishing. I mean, it is fly fishing sometimes, but for me also, it's it's just being in the woods, being outside, it's being in the mountains, those types of places. But it's it's finding friendships that share in that experience yeah. and share in like the positivity of that experience versus like bringing any side of like outside like negativity, like gossip, stuff like that. Like those are like the people you don't want to bring with you. You're like. Eh, we're good there, but having true friendships that are, they just see you for someone that's spending time outside and appreciating that time. Yeah. Those are special. 
Well, we can we can link to that in the show notes so people can find out more about it and cool. hopefully participate if they're in your area or maybe look at it as an example for you know other other opportunities that they might have in their, yeah. in their areas as well. I want to talk a little bit about the Pierre Marquette, if that's okay, and that and those home Let's waters. Do it. And why did you choose to go there? So. Is that because of your history growing up in the area or was there other reasons why that is a special fishery for you that made it an obvious choice? So I grew up coming up here. My parents had a place over in Everett. So we would come over here occasionally in the summer and do some fishing. And then once I got into college, this was, it was kind of like the easiest or maybe most affordable stop for coming up from Kalamazoo. So it's uh, about a three hour drive. And it was somewhere where I could come up to and you could sleep in the car and you could fish and like, just no one cared. Like you could just be like a, a little total fish, dirty fish bum and no one would like bother any different of you. So like all throughout college years and then um until I kind of moved around for some contracts I was up here you know almost every weekend either fishing the banks fishing from a kayak and it just when I decided that I wanted to lay roots down here and really build build a business build build a life for myself I just came back do you like to fish it from the bank now or when you were you know taking out guess do you go from the boat more often or what what kind of fishery is it as far as you know access and things i i don't just stick around the main water so that that's what we consider east of m37 i i spend a lot of time actually going out in the summer and i hike throughout the water the watershed's pretty big so there's a lot of different points where you can experience everything from little brookies to, you know, like you can be in some of these smaller creeks and you catch a 20 inch brown and you just go, how did, like, why is that in there? Like, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so the boat to me is, is a lot of fun because it's like the food conveyor belt of the river. Um, you don't have to pick it apart as much. Uh, and that, that to me is like, that's where the fun comes in because it's a lot wider and you've got a lot more chances. It's a lot bigger fish in the main water than you do. You just, it's fun to go just hike around in the woods and spend time, you know, exploring water you don't know. And that's what a lot of the tributaries afford me is just, it's water you don't know. Oh, that's cool. And that's, uh, another great way for you to find, you know, your own unique spots to take people when maybe one part's not fishing as good as the other. Like you're building that, you're building that, those, those spots, you're, you're building those honey holes or those places where you're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, well, maybe this isn't that great. Or I don't think we should go here, but I, I know a good spot and maybe it's off the beaten path or something like that. But that's, that's putting an investment into the, the time. Yeah. Well, and it also from, my perspective is it gets, it kind of gets some of the main water traffic, um, you know, it kind of helps to alleviate a lot of the pressure that the rest of the fishery feels is just by being able to go somewhere else. If I know that there's going to be a lot of people salmon fishing, sometimes I, I'll choose to not go salmon fishing in, you know, late August and just go play on one of the small creeks or in the swamp because I, those fish already have enough people throwing stuff at them. Is there a day or a trip that you remember that maybe stands out to you as something where you um, learned a lot or, you know, upped your game or helped you really progress as a fly fisher on the Pier Marquette? Um, it was probably last summer while mousing. I, it was just, I love going out in the middle of the night. I love doing the the mousing trips where you launch and it's 
6.30 and you're eating hot dogs off the back of the boat and get ready to hit the water. And what my one of my good fishing buddies said is he said, this is like a rave on the water because we use like glow lines and you're rowing in complete darkness. I think that to me is like the most memorable because it's almost like being in a sensory deprivation tank. Like all you hear is just the water and every once in a while you'll hear like an owl or like another animal like scream out in the night and you're like, we're not out here alone. Like it's very apparent at night. And when you, especially if you pull up some big Browns that you're not out there alone. Mousing. So I didn't think about that, but I bet that was super fun. And it probably, do you have clients that you go out with? You do that at night too, or is that just uh, for you? Um, So far I haven't taken any clients out mousing since I got my tags, but uh, last summer I did take a few people out um, on smaller tributaries and we went mousing and they just, they could not believe the sounds you would hear. (laughs) Like you'll hear of like the fish just, trying to like slap that thing and they're like what was that it's like you pulled the mouse away. it's like you just pulled the mouse away like you gotta let them because like what they'll do sometimes is they'll like almost like crush them or they'll like smack them to like paralyze them and then they'll eat them, them so like back. you have yeah so you have to like you have to wait like you hear the set but you don't feel anything you're like i got it I got it. And then like all of a sudden you feel it again and it just it, it, like takes off. You're like, <gasps> you're like trying to set the hook and like not panic and turn on a head. Like you're trying to do so many things at once. Are you fishing from the boat, casting to the bank usually? Or how do you, how do you, what are some techniques you use when you're mousing? So if I'm, if we're on the boat, we're going to be like casting towards the bank and letting that just, it's pretty much like swing fishing. So like you cast it and you let that mouse swing out towards the middle and you can sometimes like just twitch the line a little bit with just like pinching it. Um, That's at least what I do. I'll like pinch a little bit of line. (laughs) So it's like, looks like maybe a mouse is making headway. Um, uh, And then if they hit, like you don't, you don't want to like try to set the hook. You almost want them to take that and then set the hook. Okay. So it's, it's so much fun. <laughs> it sounds fun. Yeah. It sounds really fun. What kind of gear is most useful on the pier Marquette? What, what kind of setup you fish? Yeah. If you, if you wanted just a solid all year round, yeah. um, if you wanted something you could mouse with and steelhead, it'd probably be like a seven weight. But seven if weight. you were, okay. yeah. Um, if I mean, my favorite rod's a two weight, but I also that's like when I go out bushwhacking. Okay, so if you're gonna bushwhack and and explore, you want you're gonna try and have your two weight. If you're going yeah. for big fish, mousing or salmon or you said steelhead. Uh, salmon you're gonna want like a nine or a ten like they get up to 40 pounds so we got the whole range there's all kinds of different species what if we're just trout fishing nine foot five weight Um, cool yeah that like just your basic route would be fine but yeah our salmon my biggest one this past fall was 38 pounds wow (laughs) she was a wagon a wagon i like that (laughs) i've not heard that before so yeah, you've got all different species. Can you talk a little bit about the different species that you go after and target and the seasonality of that? Yeah. Uh, if someone is looking for anything like steelhead or winter brown trout, that is basically from now until mid-April. So you can get really nice big browns that are willing to chase a streamer right now. You'll also see a lot of the steelhead in the main system come April 30th. Um, I pretty much go out into the tributary. So that's Michigan trout opener day. So that means you can go into like any of the tributaries. You can go walk those spaces, do a little bit more tight water fishing. Um, we have a lot of really good hex. So we have our hex hatch that happens in late June, early July from basically beginning of May through June 
July is like our dry fly season. So if someone's like really interested in learning about hatches, interested in fishing hatches, we have last year we had a stellar stonefly year. So I don't know how it was just a fun time. We caught a lot of, I wouldn't call them giant browns, but you know, it's always fun to get a 10 or a 12 inch brown on the line. And, you know, especially with the five weight, like those are good times. So that's our summer. And then our fall leads into a king, king run. So we have our big kings that come in first, then we have our jacks. And then if someone was ever like looking for coho, those even make their way up here in late fall. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a lot. That sounds like you're busy. You got plenty yeah. to do all year, and also sounds very diverse, like different stuff, different games that you got to be on top of. Yeah, everything from a two eight and a brook trout through a king. It's funny because we have so much different water you can fish, and if you carry a thermometer on you and you're keeping track of temp in the middle of summer, um, once you learn a little bit more about this the smaller tributaries, you can actually fish cold water all year round. It's just a matter of picking apart more area and learning that. Um, but if someone doesn't want to put in the legwork, there's so much like warm water fisheries around here. You can go after a- any sort of warm water species within three minutes of the river. I'm a slightly below average fly tire is there a couple flies that i might tie with my skill sets that you would think would be useful if i was going to come up there and fish with you um kind of generic year-round type of thing like zonkers okay so like little like rabbit strip zonkers um i use those what would be another easy uh if someone likes to do anything with deer hair muddler minnows uh, you can pretty much fish them in any part of the river system and probably pull out something. And purple haze. <laughs> All right. Purple haze is good up there, huh? Yeah. I thought that that was a Rocky Mountain West thing. If you take it into the tribs, so I wouldn't say take it onto the main water, but if you're willing to put in the legwork or drive way far back in the woods. Um, yeah, there's some areas where you can throw out a purple haze and maybe pull in like a little brown trout or a brook trout. How much legwork are we talking? Like how far back do you have, do you usually go on these hikes? I'm going to say (laughs) what I'm going to say is like to anyone listening, consider like seriously considering doing any of this. Um, this is like total verbal warning right now. Please carry bear mace. Please carry like some sort of SOS beacon. (laughs) Um, carry extra food and um, just prepare yourself because if if someone ever decided to do this on their own, I'm talking I do five like five to eight miles in just to get back to where I'm going and then it depends on how many miles I want to hike up or down river. Do you have any scary situations any any times where you're like, yeah, I'm glad I planned ahead. Yeah. And they're not, they're not scary to me. They're not scary anymore. So, uh, last summer up in the UP, I was hiking through a track of land that the last hiker had been through three days prior. So there was like a login logout book. Uh, I was tracked by wolves. Oh, wow. That is scary. (laughs) Yeah. So it was in an area where there was almost like two rock gorges and you're walking through the middle. And I, I just had, I heard something off in the brushes. And I didn't see anything and like got this like gut feeling of like, this isn't like something's here. Like you just know, mm-hmm. and I hiked to where I was going to go fishing. And on my way back, there were actual dog prints Yikes! in my tracks. Wolf prints. Yeah. There was no one else. No one else had signed in or out that day. So I don't think there was any other footprints on the trail. Like normally, like someone's footprint will overcross yours. There wasn't any extra footprints in the mud. It was something wild out there. And I was just like walking back to my car. I started like clapping even louder. I'm like, hey, let's go. I've done that in the mountains. I've been singing songs loudly because I'm afraid of grizzly bears. 
Yeah, and I've had I've had bear run I've had some bear run-ins. Um, most of the time, they're gone before they even you know something's there. Like you can hear it's big in the bushes. If you start making a lot of noise, they'll typically wander off. Um, I've had deer actually snort at me and like try to come at me because they've had fawns with them. Huh. How about yeah. a happy story? How about a story of like a more memorable fish that you've caught in that area? Something that stands out. As- oh man. Yeah. I, so it it's rewarding. I will say if you put in the time, put in the effort, you're willing to like go swamp muck. And I have caught some 14 inch just slammer brook trout, especially in the UP. I'm not going to say any, any specific area here in Midwest, lower Michigan, um, just because those are kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to give them away. Um, but in the UP, (laughs) I'm not asking for the spots. I just wanted to know the story. Yeah. Yeah. The UP, um, I put five miles in and I came across some water that's between, I'm just going to say it's between Marquette and Houghton. So there's a big area there, but I managed to pull out a 14 inch brook trout after hiking in better part of a day. How do you target those kind of fish? Was it dry fly fishing or were you? So that day I was using, it was super generic. I was just using a Prince, Prince nymph, nymph tight lining. Cool. Do you do a lot of tight lining out there? Not really. Um, I just started, so my friend Krista actually has been slowly talking me into using more nymphs, but I use more streamers and do a lot of streamers and then dries in the summer. What about you? What do you like? What's your... I'll do everything I can to catch a fish, but uh, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I'm probably going to go take a look at what's around. And if I, th- like streamers, the last thing on my brain. So when I get to the river, if I think, if I see what I think is good streamer conditions, then I'll fish streamers. I'm not super successful with streamers most of the time. Most, I, I don't fish them very long either. I get like to the point where I'm like, all right, let me switch. I, I gave that a shot. So I don't think I give it the good due diligence that it needs some of the time. And then, uh, and then, yeah, if I think that I have a chance of catching them on dries then I'll do that, but I, I nymph quite a bit, I would say. And okay. I am a combination of like, I probably nymph with an indicator way more than I do without like, um, tight line Euro style stuff. I do. I've just kind of do some of that, but I'm starting to get more into that as well. It's so sensitive. As soon as you feel that, like just barely them hit that fly, it's, it's way different than even the indicator setups. I do. I like it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I like being, I like the control and the versatility of it. Um, just need to do it a little bit more, practice a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm up to out here on my rivers. Nice. <laughs> but I like streamer fishing. I should do more of it. I love it. I, 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 I do. It. I mean, it's like I don't do it. It's just, yeah, I just don't do it as much as I probably need to to get better or to be super successful. But it's nice. It's fun to catch fish on streamers. I do like it. You don't have much. You don't have a lot of um like wooded, heavy wooded areas to fish through out there, do you? Um, I mean... Yeah, we're in the mountains. It's like high desert type of thing in the mountains. And there's plenty of trees, but I wouldn't say forest, you know. And I think of Michigan, I think of like the forest, you know, like and um, lush green everywhere. We don't have that. That's not what we're doing here. Where I'm at in Utah, at least. Uh, Yeah, there's there's enough. There's plenty of trees for me to get stuck in. I'll put it that way. I got plenty (laughs) of snags and stuff. Do you have like the nice we've got? kind of like if you're walking through the bogs they're almost like mud pits so if you step in the sediment in the wrong spot you'll go like waist deep in like mud do you have any of those out there we don't have what you describe as a bog or like a dangerous type of like i'm stuck up to my waist but definitely we have sediment and and stuff a lot of it is in like uh like flatter sections of the river where it's more through like uh agricultural areas and things like that so like the valleys and stuff yeah if you're going to get yeah. into mud and muck and stuff like that that's where it's typically going to be but 
when you get up towards the headwaters and further further upstream, all that stuff's mostly gone. Now, are your hatches better in the valleys where there's that mud and stuff? I think, um, I don't think there's a difference. I think, I mean, yeah, I think up higher, it's just more opportunistic. Like a lot of the rivers are dammed in different areas. So they're tailwaters. And then if you go above them, now you're in more of a freestone environment. So the fish are a little more, you know, willing to take things, but I haven't noticed a big huge difference hatch, difference hatch differences huh it's cool it is cool <laughs> um can you talk about you, you mentioned you like to fish streamers and yeah can you talk a little bit about some of the techniques and tactics you use to fish in that area with streamers yeah so if you were looking to fish basically anything in northern michigan um using a streamer style i love the airflow max short so that's your max they're like max sink tip um putting that with anywhere from a six to seven like five is almost a little underpowered to send that streamer far enough but if you've got like a nice reactive six weight or a nice seven weight um getting those streamers out as far as possible so really practicing your roll casting because we've got a lot of overhead brush. So understanding good roll casting techniques. Um, also, if you can manage to get that up and double haul, the further you can get it out. So I just picked up an Airflow Surfline. So it's their intermediate surf sink tip. And that, the other day I casted it, and it went further than anything else I've sent out so far. And I got so excited just because putting that with a little bit of a lighter weighted streamer. So um, I'm not a big fan of throwing like the circus peanuts with the big sinking eyes. Just because those a lot of times if you're in the middle seat of the boat, I've been hit with them. Luckily, I haven't been hooked yet, but they hurt. That hurts really bad <laughs> coming from somebody um in in like in a vulnerable position but if you need those to get down i i suggest like if you're having like a high water event like the streamers with like the weighted eyeballs or Mm -hmm. something a little heavier but i've had a lot more fun fishing the streamer patterns that are either like the deer hairs head or just a little like egg sucking leech with just a little little bit of a jig head on it um those have been a lot of fun this fall and winter for like, I haven't caught anything like I want to write home about this winter, but it's been tons of fun to fish with them. Yeah, that's cool. You swing a lot. This winter has been a lot more swinging. Um, I have Renauds in my hands. So like if I strip, if I'm like out there and it's around 32 to 35 and I'm stripping line in my hands actually go like, they look like they're dead. Like they go white and numb. <laughs> So I, I kind of trade in my fly fishing equipment for a center pin rod and reel, at least for a few months. So January and then this month, I've mostly been center pinning just because it's so cold. Okay. There's a lot less work there. You can just let that, you know, let the float do the work. It's You're not even doing any stack mending like if you wanted to indicator fish. So the past few months I've mostly fished downriver because that's where you can use tackle and equipment and stuff like that. Okay. And that's a big part of your, or at least a part of your guide service as well. Yeah. Yeah. If people, if people want to float fish, I, I take people out and do, you know, basic, basic, Hey, here's how you set this up. Here's how you do this. Um, but it's not something I do all year round. It's just when it is, because when it's, Anywhere from, like, I think yesterday I went out and it was 28. I just, I don't want to be throwing fly line. I don't, at least personally, if someone wants me to row them around, I am all for it. I'm like, let's go. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sounds great. You guys are going to have a blast. (laughs) You're going to have really cold hands and I'm going to have a great time because rowing, I love rowing. It keeps me warm. Yeah. Um, keeps me on the water but if i'm gonna be fishing myself this time of year it's a little bit more of like the 
center pin, just float fishing, stuff like that. Okay. Before we move on to your art and some of the other things you have going on, is there anything else that you want to say that maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about, about fishing out by you that you'd like people to know about? I would say clean up after yourself. That's about it. Um, <laughs> clean up after yourself. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we, we try to clean up, but just, you know, being kind to the environment and playing it safe. Cause we did have someone last year get lost, um, locally and that, you know, don't take just a cell phone. Maybe that's, that's the word of advice I have. Don't take just a cell phone. Okay. <laughs> you ready to talk about your art and your podcast and all the other sure. stuff that you got going on? What, when did this, I mean, this is some creative stuff. So was this also part of where you wanted to go back to and you're being a kid again type of mentality? Yeah, it was, I, I, I spent some time doing a lot, doing art studies throughout school and I was always like painting and making things as a kid. And I was just, when I moved up here, it was like, Hey, here's a chance I have to make art and express myself and I it's been really therapeutic just being able to like tell yourself to paint every day is it's like I tell myself I'm like lately I've been a little bad on this one but fish every day and I was like trying to do artwork like if I can get an hour of both of those in I feel like I'm doing pretty good I think you're doing great if you're, if you're doing both of those things. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's hard for me too sometimes to to get down and, and do it. But it's kind of like it's kind of like fishing, you know. Every time I do, I don't want to say force myself, but every time that I do, like get over the hump and actually put my my butt in the seat and start painting, I realize not just how much I enjoy it, but like how much I needed that. Like, Oh, that's good. And that was productive and it just feels good. And, uh, I don't know. It's funny how there's that little voice that the resistance, I don't know if you've read that book. The, yeah. Yeah. The war of oh art. My gosh. The war of art. I'm, I'm almost two thirds of yeah. two thirds of the way through that. Yeah. It's good. And it's that voice, man. But you know, once you're over that and then it feels good. I think there's some similarities in fishing as well. Yeah. It's funny because on the really cold days or like the really crappy days where there's the part of you that's like, Oh, it's warm in here and it's nice, but it's also 42 outside. You just, just don't listen to the one that's trying to keep you comfortable or like the one that's like, Oh, you can just like scroll on Instagram. Like, just keep scrolling, just keep watching TV. Like you probably have something inside of you that like, if you got bored enough, you'd start creating. Right. And that's one of the reasons you're, you're where you're at is to do those types of things. So you talked about living your truth and things like that. That's, that's part of it. Right. Can you talk about yeah. your art? Like specifically what kind of, what's your medium? I know you're painting hats and things, but what are yeah. some of the, what do you enjoy? What's your, so lately, I'm just going to turn this around so you can see what I've been working on. Um, All right. Uh, yeah. So lately, I have been doing a lot of acrylic work. And I've been working with painting on clothing, just painting on different surfaces. Uh, it's a lot of fun because I did watercolors for a long time. And it's they're pretty, but they're not vibrant where I feel with acrylic, you can manipulate it so much more. Like you can keep adding and like making it brighter and brighter. And you can also do really fun stuff with acrylic. Like put, I've got like mica powders I put in there and I put like glow in the dark stuff on it too. It's a, it's a, just a really cool medium. That is cool. Yeah. I've been thinking about changing mediums as well. And, uh, I'm excited about it. I think I did watercolors for a long time as well. There's a couple of series of paintings that I want to finish up, but uh, I think I'm moving on from watercolors hopefully this year if everything nice. goes according to plan. But acrylics are so fun. Like I've got a wood burner here. You can like mix all of <laughs> Well, them that's together. one of the things I thought was cool about your art. I'm like, well, is she painting hats or clothes or painting like straight up paintings? Are you doing it all? 
any anything i've got a leather coat there's a leather coat somewhere around here that <laughs> i'm throw paint on it i'm throwing paint on yeah, it yeah just try it and like the funny thing is is like if you mess up with acrylic you just get gesso and you just you cover it and you start over card over but did you think about oils at all or just not not for you i did a lot of oils in college and it's okay I think what oils are, are after you graduate from acrylic. So like, <laughs> okay. there's this like point where I know that oil colors are going to get like, I want purple, but I want purple that almost like glows off the canvas, like when I'm looking for it. And that's like, when I see oil paintings, I'm like, there it is. That's the color. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, have you been doing art just since you got up? in your new profession or, you know, was that an easy kind of thing that you're like, Oh yeah, this is going to be a part of my, my, my new life as a fly fishing guy. Um, No, I actually, I had a full ride in my associates for some of my artwork I did. So throughout high school, high school, college, it was something that like I, I was doing and I tried to do it to pay the bills. And then I realized I'm like, I think this, like, I need to come back to this. Like, there's a part of you that you almost live, like, different lifetimes. And, like, if you try a lot of different things, like, you'll try something. And, like, pottery is something I love. But right now I just don't have the time to invest into it. So it's like I take mental notes and I'm like, I'll come to back to that in a different lifetime. So it's like artwork was that like something like painting with acrylic was something I, I like made a mental note. Like we'll be back to visit this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. And uh, it's certainly beautiful work and we'll make sure that people can see that. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes and, and, and that stuff as well. Cool. How about your podcast? About- can you talk about your podcast or if you can go ahead if you're going to ask something? Oh, I was just going to ask. So uh, are you only, only a, Watercolor then? Yep, just watercolor. Nice. Boring old watercolor. That's what I do. Hey, it it is a medium <laughs> that you can spend a life. It, it I know it's, it's like a, a lifetime medium. So I I I like it. Yeah, it's it's willing been fun. to create. I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's easy too. You know, I think it's easy to portable. Yeah, it's it's easy to. I want to say it's easy. I mean. The, the painting of it but i mean the you just need water you know you need some watercolors and some water and that part the logistics is easy i guess is what i'm trying to say i i understand what you mean because that is cool like if you go hiking or backpacking you can just take like a little like drawing book and like a little like travel watercolor kit and it i've made some cool paintings that way that sounds cool let's talk about your podcast a little bit before we have to wrap things up can you talk about the the reason you started that and why that's important for you? So I, yeah, let's uh, loop to loop. I started it because I just felt that there needed to be a little bit more of a voice on around like Northern Michigan. There's a lot of, I don't want to say there's just a lot of like rambling that goes on on some of the, some of the other podcasts I've heard. And there's a lot of podcasts I've heard that have almost like this, like elite feeling. And that's what I enjoy about you as well Is it's more about like how someone's journey or like what water they're fit. It's, it's accessible. And so that's where I went with starting loop to loop. It's, just an accessible place and most of the time I try to find lady anglers to talk to because as women we don't get to see a lot of other women on the water um it's nice to build friendships especially through podcasting I've met some pretty incredible people I've got to go fishing with incredible people and it's just fun it's fun to like we've had a really great hour haven't we i've enjoyed my time talking with you for sure yes it is fun i think it's super fun and it's fun to meet new people and everybody has this incredible unique fly fishing kind of story you know and some and it's it's very special for them you know it's their own special part of fly fishing and 
it's cool to unwrap that and share that with other people because then I think it brings credence and credibility to their stories as well. You know, that it doesn't have to be some super well-known fishing person or whatever to have a a special fly fishing experience, which, because a lot of people have super cool backgrounds and stories and things like that, but they're not professional fly fishers, you know? And I think that sometimes it's cool to hear from those people as well. I mean, you are a professional, but I'm just saying sometimes. No, any, anybody, anybody that's willing to like go out on the water, uh, like I've heard this thing going around Instagram, like, how do you know you really like fishing? It's like really cold and you go freeze and you go do it anyways. I, I have to say there's like something interesting that drives that person forward to like chase a passion into like sub zero temps and just it's like, you're going to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And for me personally, and I think a lot of the listeners that wait out there, it's those days, those cold days or the days where you're, you're going when maybe other people would look at it and say, why well, I don't get what this, what this person's doing. I think of it as another rep, like another day. And I know that I'll be better than when I started. Like if I go today, even for a little bit, I'll be a little bit better than I was before. And for me, that, that progression is a huge part of what I love about fly fishing. And that's a motivator for me to go fishing is just because I know that like every little day that I get is another step in the right direction, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's a step towards your passion. It's a step towards if, if your goal is, you know, putting the biggest fish you can on the line, it's a, every cast is, it's like playing, playing scratchers or something like every scratcher you buy, That's right. you get better, more chances. It could be, this could be the one. <laughs> uh, all right, Ash, before we wrap this up, how can people find out more about you maybe schedule a guided trip or learn more about some of the projects you have coming up uh, that you're excited about. Yeah. So if, if you're looking for me, hopefully it's a good looking for me. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me at mindfultrout.com. So that's my website. Um, I'm on Instagram as well at, uh, you can find me ash.angler or mindful trout. The podcast is on any, so Loop to Loop is on any streaming services. So if they use Spotify or Google or Apple Podcasts, you can find Loop to Loop there. And if you want to book a trip with me, I would say the best way to do that would be to reach out either through my website. There's like a contact me form, um, the calendar I'm still working on. So I'm my own, I am a one lady band. I don't have anyone booking trips for me. It's all me. So if you do want to get a trip, reach out through Instagram or reach out through my website. You can also email me and it's super easy. It's hi at ashangler.com. Yeah, that is super easy. (laughs) I was hoping I, I just, I figured I'm like, my Instagram's Ash Angler. I'm like, I might as well just go buy the URL and park my email there because it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and your last name is Agler, which mm-hmm. is pretty close. So it, yeah, it makes sense. Don't get confused, people. Agler without an N is the name. Angler with an N is the is the Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how you can find me on insta okay all right ash last question you ready yeah if you could go back to when you first started fly fishing and give yourself two pieces of advice one more of a tactical piece and one more philosophical what would you tell yourself to help you progress as a fly fisher uh in michigan it would have been just practice roll casting (laughs) and that would have been my tactical Thing I would have told myself because I, I always thought for some reason it's like you see the movies you see the overhead you see the double double haul you don't need that in Michigan you just need a you need a roll cast and then the second part would be just ignore everybody else go have fun like do you do you 
That's good advice. Thank you. You do you. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I can see you as well, Jason. Why? Thank you, and I can see why you're why you're happy up there and uh, moving forward. And I wish you all the best in your new career and your guide service, your art, your podcast, and all the creative work that you're doing. And I think it's really cool. So thank you. You you as well, Jason. And you know what? If you ever get up to Michigan, you're more than welcome to come fishing and stay at our tiny cabin. Thanks for listening to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. You can learn more about some of the topics we discussed in today's episode show notes. For more fly fishing ideas, stories, and artwork, check out my blog and online gallery at wadeoutthere.com. If you want to make Wade Out There a part of your own fly fishing journey, please subscribe and share. Until next time, Wade Out There.